Sleigh bells ring Are you listening? In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight Hello, this is Randy Moon And welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast Where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round This is Cole And today I'm going to be talking about how to get rid of all of that accumulated snow That might be keeping you from getting from point A to point B this is Sydney, and I will be talking about the Yeti, which thrives in snow. And this you is mean, Beth. Uh, the cooler? <laughs> Not the cooler. No, the creature. The cooler actually keeps snow intact. Fairly. It does this pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Beth, and I'm going to be doing a mini-series on animals that thrive in the snow, as Sydney was just talking about. Oh, like the Yeti. The Yeti's not really animal, per se. I said creature. Exactly. I'm just just trying to contribute to the conversation here. Gosh. So, as you can tell, Cole is on the phone. That is because it was calling for snow, and it has snowed. So he is um, uh, at his girlfriend's place, weathering, hunkering down, I guess is the phrase, uh, through the snow. And we got snow overnight. We woke up. With about three, four inches of snow here. Um, Cole's about an hour away further east where they usually get less snow. So, I don't know. What do you have out there, Cole? Yeah, we've probably got a little less out here. Um, It's still enough that it's covering the ground completely. And it's still coming down, but it's uh, light powder right now. um, So, nothing too heavy. Yeah. They're calling for another five to eight inches over the next day or so so we'll see if we get that we're the three of us here are hoping for it i don't I know. know if cole's hoping for it or not but uh, if you we look are out it's no it's I am, that, i'm not because i want to be able to drive home <laughs> it, it is doing that light powdery snow that cole was talking about mm-hmm. yeah yeah very light though and as we uh as we enjoy the snow here um i uh, mentioned on instagram that two days ago was national puzzle day and today is National Hot Chocolate Day, so we actually got to celebrate National Puzzle Day and National Hot Chocolate Day together, or I did, yeah. uh, by having all those at once that's today right. while it's snowing outside. So that's kind of nice. I know. Fun, fun, and fun. That's right. So we really enjoyed the snow. And we have friends in Houston that always want to know when it's snowing up here, so we've sent them pictures as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're hoping they get to come up soon to live near us. Yes, and we're hoping they can experience it themselves. That's yes. right. I um, brought in some snow for the cats to sniff and look at, and I have some really cute pictures of our cat Ember um, swatting at the snow. She saw, <laughs> she knows the clumps in the snow, so she would swat at them. I put them on like a paper plate, and um, she would swat them off of the paper plate onto the ground <laughs> so then I would pick them up and put them back on to kind of swat at my hands because she thought it was like a little game <laughs> and then she swat them back off the paper plate so yeah it was fun so Cole's girlfriend Keely has a cat Izzy now Cole does Izzy like the snow I don't know Keely does Izzy like the snow been in the snow. No. We might have to uh, we might have to put someone on a plate and bring it in or <laughs> What did she say? Uh Keely's saying that um, I was saying that we could put someone on a paper plate and bring it in and Keely said, Oh no. She would just take her out and toss her in and see if she likes it. 
Wow. <laughs> yes. Well, let us know. It's okay. <laughs> Izzy's got a lot of... Uh, Izzy can stay warm. She's got a lot of um, body mass. <laughs> a lot so. of padding. See what I said? Rude. <laughs> <laughs> she is built for such an occasion as this. She, she is. Like I'm sure many of the animals Mom will be referring to, she has a layer of blubber. <laughs> we'll find that, out. That actually is rude, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I know no, Cole, she's perfect. <laughs> Cole came over to borrow my ladder yesterday for a particular purpose. What was that, Cole? Yes, so I had been... Um, putting off taking down my outside Christmas lights because they are fun and winter is sad when it's not Christmas. Um, so yeah, my roommates and my girlfriend and I, we all went over, got the ladder, brought it back, took down all the Christmas lights, didn't take too much time, but getting it back in those tiny boxes is insanely hard. Yeah. I don't actually do that. I just roll it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably, probably a, a smart thing, but we managed uh, to pull it off. Oh, good, 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 good. And then after that, we were taking the ladder back. We also threw my uh, Christmas tree in the car as well. Drove it to your fire pit and tossed it on top. You might not be able to see it because it might be blanketed in snow right now, but yeah, I do there. see it. I see it uh, on top there of my other tree that was. <laughs> Uh, taken out by trimming all the branches out of the tree. Yeah. Yep. So it's uh, kind of an official Christmas is over. Sadness time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have Christmas lights strung on the inside of my house. Because oh, I was wondering. Because it would just be unreasonable to take them down. But. <laughs> well, we are recording this on January 31st. So we have all the February holidays, mini holidays ahead of us. Um and so that'll be fun. But I did notice in Target that the Easter candy and decor is starting to, to show up more. So, um, and that's not even a holiday till April. <laughs> so that's a little bit ahead of us. But um, we will enjoy those next several little holidays, starting with Groundhog Day. And we'll see if the groundhog, particularly Punxsutawney Phil, sees his shadow on Tuesday or not. I can't believe it's that time already. It's yeah, almost really. February. Good grief. I know that time for Groundhog. We're all counting down the days. That's right. <laughs> I've got my calendar set for it. Yeah, and with February usually comes even more snow. We're kind of seeing that now. But snow can be super fun for some people. Like I know mom loves having it around to look at it. For me, it can be a menace because I have to try to get from place to place. And I do not live in a, a great place for snow removal. The roads around me are plowed, but they plow everything into my driveway. Yeah, they usually build so, up like a little uh, barrier at the end of driveways. Yeah, that's yes, what it does to a our super house. hard barrier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of breakthrough. So. So I was looking up strategies for dealing with snow and ice, and I came across BobVila.com and an article by Donna Schwartz listing out 10 of kind of the best ways to tackle that snow problem. Some of them are readily available to you. Some of them require a little more work, uh, but let's, let's go down the list and see what sticks here. 
or hopefully it does not <laughs> stick because snow is the sticky part. That's right. Um, so first one is from the table. So table salt, great de-icer when used in moderation to prevent hard frost from forming on your car overnight. Oh, that's so interesting. For large, yeah, so for large areas, you may want to pick up like a bag of salt to kind of spread over the ground, but one great way to keep the ice away. Now, that mostly works as far as the bag of ice ahead of time, so you have to be kind of proactive about it. Then there is the medical fix. Um, great tool for defrosting windows is rubbing alcohol. If you've got a spray bottle, you can fill it with rubbing alcohol and spray icy windows thoroughly and then dry with an old towel. It'll get rid of the ice and also keep your windows from fogging up uh, and keep it from streaking. Next is on the rocks, any clear alcohol, vodka, gin, or rum will work just as well as rubbing alcohol to de-ice windows. But a lot more expensive. And a lot more expensive, but <laughs> if that's what you have readily available, then you can go for it. That's true. Vodka and in a spray like, bottle. <laughs> yeah, in a spray bottle with your vodka. Or, um, but not all vodka is expensive. <laughs> I know I've bought like $6 big bottles of vodka before. Yeah, I was going to say, some of it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Then uh, you could try to melt it away, pouring lukewarm water over the area. Make sure not to do like hot water because that'll break your windows if you pour hot water on cold windows. Uh, and then after you pour lukewarm water on, you can use a squeegee to remove the runoff immediately. You might have to repeat the process several times. Um, a lot of these are dealing with windows specifically because that's kind of a hard it's hard to deal with getting ice off of your your windows particularly on your car another strategy that is again very proactive but very smart is if you have it available to cover your car in a drop cloth or canvas mm. that way when you need to get all that snow off your car you can just kind of magic trick pull it off and voila, you've got your car all snow-free. They actually sell car-specific ones, too, that you can, like, if, you go, if you're going to work and you don't have a covered place to um, have your car and it's going to snow, mm -hmm. um, that you can put on your car with either magnets or sometimes they'll have flaps that you put in the door so your car's still locked and it's still safe. But the um, but they still have that covering on it. Yeah, yeah. And this next one is only really works for very dry, powdery snow. Um, not so much for the heavier, wetter snow. But you can always, if you've got that powdering and you need to get rid of it quickly, pull out your uh, trusty leaf blower. Yeah, that's just go issue. out and go to town, and maybe you've got wetter snow underneath and lighter snow on top, so you can at least get a layer off. <laughs> that's a good idea. Uh, and another one is you can uh, pull up the uh, wet vac or dry vac and use that to suck up snow and dump it somewhere else. That one's not the most practical uh, because there's a lot of snow. 
Right. And usually those uh, those vats are they're not going to hold their capacity tons. isn't that high. That's yeah, that's, that's true. You thought. you may have to empty it multiple times if you take that path. But if you have yeah. like a back patio or something that mm-hmm. maybe you're you know you have a stray cat that you're taking care of and you want to keep that clear, something like that might work. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of cats, another one super common is kitty litter. Right, great way to provide traction on icy surfaces for your feet or your car. Yep. So that is a great way to deal with ice. Um, sand, bird seed, or wood ashes will actually do the trick as well. And you can find very cheap kitty litter. You can. Yeah. Um, next, this one's neat. There are snow melting mats that you can lay across your sidewalk or wherever you want to kind of set them up. But there are heated mats that aren't too expensive, which will melt any of the snow that touches them. Are they? Do you? Do they need an electrical source? Like, do you need to plug them in? Yes. Yeah, they do. Oh. It looks like they do, uh, but they're available like off of Amazon, so they're pretty easy to get your hands on. Interesting. That would be great for steps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Especially in even in the picture here, they've got them on steps. Great idea. Yeah, because our front steps are in the shade, so they're brick, so they yeah. don't um, generate a lot of heat, even if they're sun out, and they're in the shade, yeah. um, so they generally are the last things to de- to thaw, which um, this these would be good for. And it always worries me, like if some if we're having things delivered, I always worry because they're so slick. Well, there's two things. One, you could stop having things delivered. <laughs> Okay, let's be reasonable, though. <laughs> Realistic. Yeah. Or two, you could stop having things delivered. <laughs> okay. Or three, Amazon could deliver me some heated mats for the front oh, but steps. they might fall. <laughs> That's true. Um, but number 10, this last one is my favorite suggestion. Um, and that is enlist kid power. <laughs> Wait a second. That's your favorite suggestion, and yet that never worked for me. <laughs> it says one seriously sneaky way to get rid of a driveway full of snow is to hold a snowman building contest for uh, all the neighborhood on your property. Oh, that's so funny. That is funny. And and tell them that the snow needs to come from the driveway to be that's the to best. be in the eligible. Yeah, to be eligible the for the yep. prize. So you could you know bribe them with cookies, hot cocoa, that kind of thing. Um, or just not even the neighborhood kids, but if you've got your own kids, you know, if you've got two or three or four kids, going out and saying, why don't you guys build a snow fort, but kind of being sneaky about it and saying, oh, but the snow in the yard is dirty, so make sure you get the snow in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> I got a laugh and key from that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that that would work, but you could try. Yeah. Well, kids are really very gullible, so you just have to word it in the, in the right way. Yeah, depending on the age, like, that could be true. Exactly. That's true. That's true. Um, not going to work anymore with adult children. If <laughs> oh, no, the, snur's, the snow's dirty out there. Use the snow on the driveway. <laughs> It'd, you'd be hard-pressed to even get me to come over at all. Right, that's true. Well, yeah, that kind of defeat the purpose, right? Because you couldn't come over if it was that snowy. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, that's what I meant is that um, yeah. I'd have to, like, park at the end of the driveway and fight my way down if it was still all snowy yeah. there. Yeah, you would. <laughs> well, and as soon sure as you... Up at some point. As soon as you drive on um, a snowy surface before it's... Um, before you've shoveled it, then you've packed down the snow yep. in that spot and often warmed it a little bit. So it becomes like these little icy tracks yep. on your driveway if you have like a paved drive. Which are very difficult to get off then. So yep. yeah, it's actually better to plow or shovel first before you drive on it. Yeah. Yep, so a lot of fun snow ideas, getting rid of snow ideas. Uh, if that is necessary. Um, I'm sure that animals also upturn a lot of snow. Animals or mythical creatures, depending on who's going next. <laughs> oh. Yes, yeah, so we go from trying to get rid of snow to trying to see what's in the snow or on well, the snow. You could do that by getting rid of it. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. It would be a little harder for getting rid of all the snow on like Mount Everest, say. True. That's true. That's yeah. true. It would you be hard a... to proactively put down heating pads all over the <laughs> I was going to say, you need a lot of heating mats. Yeah, or go to Florida. <laughs> And see that Mount Everest. <laughs> All right. That's true. Disney's uh, Expedition Everest. That's yes. right. Yes. Although they have fake snow that never melts. Right. So, I mean, That's true. That evens it up. But it looks great. It, it does. does. It does. In fact, I remember when that ride was being built. Um, I think that was kind of the first time I was really introduced to the Mount Everest kind of. Um, the lore. Well, the mythology. Yeah, that particular one, but the Yeti has, and the Abominable Snowman has been in our culture, and so I knew about that creature, right? We think of shows like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Right. It had the Bumble, which essentially is a snow monster, right? Um, You think of Scooby-Doo. I don't even know how many episodes of Scooby-Doo. I was waiting for when Scooby-Doo was going to (laughs) drop. Yeah, (laughs) that have the Abominable Snowman, like old and new uh, versions of the TV show have that. Um... You just and you just see it throughout um, our culture as well. So that's very much um, integrated into our culture, like Bigfoot or oh yeah, unicorns. very very big in popular media. Exactly, exactly. So um, the Yeti, for those who may not know, is a creature that is said to live in the mountains of Asia. So th- this is the origin or the history, quote unquote, history of um, the Yeti. It's sometimes trapped. It sometimes leaves tracks in snow, but is also said to dwell below the Himalayan snow line. Despite dozens of expeditions into the remote mountain regions of Russia, China, and Nepal, the existence of the Yeti remains unproven. Um, The Yeti is said to be muscular, covered with dark grayish or reddish brown hair, and weigh between 200 and 400 pounds. So I, I have to pause here. I thought this was interesting because multiple, when I was doing this research, um, many different places said that it had like dark grayish or reddish brown hair, which I thought was interesting because in just in a modern culture, when, I, when we see yetis, it's always white. Right, yeah. Right. Like you think of them as being white, yeah. Right, like a polar bear. Yeah. Kind of thing. But, um, but no, apparently not. Um, so the yeti is relatively short compared to the north Americans Bigfoot. Oh. Um, averaging around um, six feet tall in height. Well, six feet tall. 
Um, though this is the most common form, um, reported Yetis have come in a variety of shapes. So I've also seen anywhere between 6 to 10 feet as well. Um, the quote-unquote history, the Yeti is a character in ancient and ancient legends and folklore of the Himalayan people. In most of the tales, the Yeti is a figure of danger. Um, which again, I thought that was so interesting. It is dangerous. No, it's a figure of danger. Like something, like the moral of the stories often involve a warning to avoid dangerous animals oh, or okay. to stay close and safe within the community. Oh, okay, interesting. Which again, kind of, for me, kind of goes back to like um, Scooby-Doo episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was interesting because for me, I always, I never really related it to like stories or warnings. I always, you know, you always just think about the creature itself either being dangerous or not dangerous. You don't really think about yeah. like what could be like, beyond that. Yeah, beyond that. You know, it's interesting, too, because I always thought of the Yeti and Bigfoot as interchangeable. So, yeah, so apparently the Bigfoot is specific to America. So interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. North America. North America. Because it's Canada and the United States. Correct, yes, yes. yes. Um, in modern times, when Westerners started traveling to the Himalayans, the myth became more sensational, according to the BBC. In 1921, a journalist named Henry Newman interviewed a group of British explorers who had just returned from a Mount Everest expedition. The explorers told the journalist that they had discovered some very large footprints on the mountain to which their guides had attributed to um, basically a name essentially meaning Man Bear Snow Man. So, Newman got the snowman part, but mistranslated the, the first part. Instead of man bear, he translated it incorrectly as, like, um, I think filthy or whatever. But in, instead of going with that name, he thought, oh, um, abominable, abominable sounds like, like a really much more interesting way to describe this creature. Thus, um, that's how... The abominable snowman came to be um, known. It's so interesting because abominable doesn't really tell you much about it at all. No. It might be more interesting, but <laughs> it gives you no factual information. Yeah, no description what, whatsoever. Yes. But um, that's it, is, the, the, it is catchier than the filthy snowman. <laughs> <laughs> or the man or the, bear the snowman. The man bear bear man or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the first one was. Yeah. The legend was born. So there have been many, many people who have researched this, many explorers. Um, in her book, Still Living, Yeti, Sasquatch, and the um, uh, Neanderthal Enigma, researcher Myra Shackley offers the following description reported by two hikers in 1942, the description of a Yeti, which they s- described two black specks moving across the snow about a quarter mile below them. Um, Despite this significant distance, the hikers offered the following detailed description. The height was not much less than eight feet. The heads were described as squarish, and the ears uh, must lie close to the skull because there was no projection from the silhouette against the snow. The shoulders sloped sharply down to a powerful chest. 
covered by reddish-brown hair, which formed a close body fur mixed with long, straight hairs hanging downward. Another person saw a creature about the size and build of a small man, the head covered with long hair, but the face and chest not very hairy at all, reddish-brown hair in color, and it was busy, um, quote, grubbing up roots and occasionally emitting a loud, high-pitched cry. Um, so okay. it's not a quarter of a mile away is yeah. a really, that's pretty far for such an incredibly detailed description. I know, these guys like, unless they, yeah, unless they have like eagle eyes or something, that, that's not much. It's not clear if these sightings were real hoaxes or misidentifications. Um, though, uh, legendary mountaineer Reynold Messner, who spent months in Nepal and Tibet, concluded that large bears... And their tracks have often been mistaken for the Yeti. That so, makes sense. Right, right. And even, honestly, like, just, like, misidentifying, like, like, um, locals trekking about the mountain, you know, and whatever, um, um, coats they have or whatever. I mean, right. that's a far away distance to get <laughs> all that information. So, yeah. I can't imagine them either not phoning it, phoning it in or not quite seeing what they thought that they saw. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it kind of putting putting your own thoughts into the narrative there. Yes. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Many people have um, claimed to have seen it or have taken photos simply to um, be proven um, not true. Um, you think of, like, the Loch Ness Monster. Right. And such, this is kind of like one of those situations. Okay, so they're debunking it. Exactly. Yeah. A finger once revered in a monastery in Nepal and long claimed to be from a yeti was examined by researchers at the Edinburgh um, Zoo in 2011. The finger generated controversy among Bigfoot and yeti believers for decades until DNA analysis proved that the finger was human Perhaps from a monk's corpse. Oh, yeah. So that was interesting. And the other thing was, um, Russians are also interested in this as well. Not that that's interesting, but they had a... The Russian government actually took an interest in the Yeti in 2011 and organized a conference of experts in Western Siberia. The um, It's interesting that they took an interest and the group made headlines around the world when they issued a statement that they had indisputable proof on the Yeti and were 95% sure that it existed based on some gray hairs found in a clump of moss in a cave. However, um, another... It's very definitive for a clump of hair in a moss in a cave. Yes, 95% because... 95% is a big percent. Yeah, because he went searching in caves and he said he saw evidence of Yeti building nests and shelters of twisted tree branches, but another scientist who participated in the same expedition concluded that the indisputable evidence was hoaxed. So another, so this professor who endorses the existence of Bigfoot said that he suspected that the twisted tree branches of the nest had been faked. Not only was there evidence of tool-made cuts in the supposedly Yeti-twisted branches, because when you think of it, you think of a Yeti, like, yanking them off a tree, right? right. They're not going to have the tools to Co do that, yeah. To cut, right. But also the trees were conveniently located just off a well-traveled trail and hardly in a remote area. So 
And, you know, to conclude, you think that someone else would have found it. Right. Like, yes. fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, it's a very interesting legend. I encourage you to look it up. There are all kinds of interesting um, situations in which people um, say that they have evidence and, and others, like debunking said evidence. So, uh, many people do believe that, you know, Bigfoot and the Yeti exist because, um, I mean, we have still a lot of the world to explore and, you know, we still have um, things that surprise us. Right. That That's occur. True. Yeah. But um, as of yet, there is no factual evidence of the existence of the Yeti. So I, my first exposure to the Ed, Yeti, to the Yeti, was when I was a kid. There used to be a TV show, uh, and sometimes they would show it in theaters before a movie, which is often where I saw it, called In Search Of, with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, that's so funny. And Leonard Nimoy. Dr. Spock. Right. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. Uh, he would do these In Search Of's where they would like, go after like the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and that's Yeti, funny. the Noah's Ark. Um, so all these kind of things that people claim to see, and they would go after them. Um, so those, so those were kind of my early connections, as well as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, of course, and the Bumble, which right. was the nickname for the abominable snowman. Right, right. So and I, in all those cases, the, in the search of, they never found it. Um, you know, what obviously, they were for? no, right. they never did. Right, but I feel like, like in today's culture. Yeah, kid, this is one of the things that kids are introduced fairly early on. So they're at least familiar with the idea, but maybe not so much the um, long history right. of um, evidence and then debunking and that kind of interesting back and forth. Right. Yeah. When we went to Scotland and went to visit Loch Ness, we were surprised that the first thing that we went through was a film debunking the myth. Yeah. That, uh, but it was it was absolutely gorgeous, and it was very interesting. I was actually glad to have gone through that first. Mm -hmm. And they still sold some Loch Ness well, interesting things. And there were oh. the other places where they, the other buildings and the fake museums where they did believe right. that the Loch Ness was there. Right. So right. this was actually Loch Ness yeah. <laughs> that not, I'm talking uh, about. Let's not forget, close to our arrival to Loch Ness, we ran across Nessie Land. Right, yes. which, is, which is the uh, like the roadside kids attraction, and I'm sure all of Nessie Land would be uh, encouraging belief in the Loch Ness monster. Right. Yeah, and I really thought that so, Loch Ness would too, but they didn't. They still sold stuff, but so um, I wonder if there's a uh, it was interesting a Yeti Land. Oh yeah, that would be great to look up. That would be very be interesting. Fun. That has a lot of possibilities. It I'm does. I'd go to Yeti Land. I would have gone to Nessie Land, but the rest of my family didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. And I will say with the Loch Ness Monster, you can kind of see why, because it, like the, it's so still that any sort of movement, if you have um, a creative mind... Right, a good imagination. Good imagination yeah. that something could occur. Yeah. And right. I, and, yeah. So it's a very fun to think about. Yeah. I think, right? I think these different legends are, too, for people. Oh, definitely. I yeah. mean... You know, it's often a distance. Mm -hmm. It could be kind of thing. Right. Well, and the the ride that Sidney Cole talked about in the beginning down at Animal Kingdom, mm -hmm. uh, the Expedition Everest, has in the line, not the quick line, the fast pass line, but the regular line, a lot of evidence for the Yeti. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so it's kind of funny because they, they build a story about why, you know, the Yeti's real oh, along the way. And then in the ride, the Yeti appears a couple times. Right, right. So, yeah, they're they're very good at building stories. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah, and atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very fun. Yes. Can you go a pause a minute? So, moving on with the snowy creature theme. Um, From man bear to regular bear. That's right, to snow bear. <laughs> or filthy bear. <laughs> to polar bear. So, the polar bear, which actually exists 100%. Right. We have been proven to be I don't know. I've never seen one in its natural habitat. I'll send you some pictures. Uh, <laughs> the polar bear is also called the white bear, the sea bear, ice bear, and it's in the family of the great white northern bear, according to research. You say the, the, all those other names like we should know them. I've never heard a polar bear called any of those things. I so know. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I know. I didn't either. It's like... Who's calling it white bear? I know. Well, who's calling it sea bear or ice bear? Well, well white, somebody does. Well, white bear, I could see like a little child calling it like that. But like sea yeah. bear. And ice bear. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great white northern bear. And it's found throughout the Arctic. Except for one subspecies of grizzly bear. The polar bear is the largest and most powerful carnivore on land. It has no natural predators. And according to this researcher, no, not me, the, the researcher that I'm, I have found. Um, it, according to this researcher. <laughs> according to the, this researcher. Um, it, has no, um, it has no fear of humans, making it an extremely dangerous animal. Oh, that's interesting. Although these look so cuddly and so much like you'd want to walk up, never, no, actually, ever that- do it. That's interesting. No fear of humans because fear of humans is a lot of times what causes animals to attack humans. Or run. Or run. Or run. Yeah, oh, they running. So I wonder if it causes them to maybe be, if they're not hungry or anything, indifferent to humans or are they territorial? Um. Well, let's find out. Let's dive in. Good question. <laughs> All right, the females weigh between 300 and 650 pounds. You just wanted to start with weight right away with females, didn't you? <laughs> no. The males, interestingly, can go from 800 pounds to 1,600 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Think of how much. 1,600 pounds. <gasps> it's a lot of blubber. It's a lot of beast. <laughs> so let's move on to their diet. Polar bear's diet is mainly... Made up of the bearded seal and the ringed seal. So apparently these are two Arctic seals. Polar bears will often swim vast distances following their powerful sense of smell to openings in the ice where swimming seals surface for air. So when the seals come up to the surface, the bear gets its meal. That seals it. (laughs) Seals the deal. If a polar bear spot seals already on the ice, it will lie down about 900 feet away, calmly, and slowly advance downwind of its targets until it's close enough to get them. I just wow. picture like this humongous polar bear <laughs> army crawling on the Across ice, this, yeah. and the seals are like, yeah, 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 we can totally see you. Yeah, that sounds like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. You guys are hilarious, it does. 
<laughs> but apparently it works for it. As long as it stays downwind, the seals are apparently oblivious. And there's no Bugs Bunny music. That helps. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, it has to be quiet. <laughs> so just like whales, seals, and dolphins, polar bears are considered marine animals. What? Think about that. Whales, seals, dolphins, and polar bears are marine animals. It's both surprising and true. <laughs> I know, I was surprised, and yet it's true. Polar bears are the only species of bear that depends on the on the ocean ecosystem to survive. It's even part of their name, and their name, I'm going to try to say, Ursus maritimus means sea bear. So there we get our sea bear, Cindy. So that's the, the scientific name? Yes. The scientific name translates to... Sea bear. No, it's just something that mom made up. Sounds smart. It's it's very interesting, and this researcher, <laughs> this researcher, can verify it. Has named the bear. That's right. So polar bears need ice to survive. A polar bear's hunting and eating patterns depend completely on sea ice because seals depend on it. Seals are the only food source with a high enough fat content and enough calories to keep a polar bear healthy. Polar bears can only reach seals from platforms of sea ice. While they're good swimmers, they cannot catch a seal normally in open water. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so they rely on sea ice for traveling to their meals. Polar bears have a very good sense of smell. They can smell the seals... From like a half mile away and even under three feet of snow. Oh, wow. I know. Isn't that amazing? I mean, seriously. What does seals smell like? Yeah, I'd be curious We would have to ask our friends, the seals. Oh, I was going to say, you could ask the polar bear and they would not be afraid to answer because they're not afraid of humans. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Unlike other large carnivores, polar bears... Do not have territories. They have home ranges. There you go, Cole. There's your answer. Nice. The sea ice habitat of polar bears is variable. And in almost every way, which is like prey distribution, freeze up, break up patterns, it has a lack of predictability that removes the potential benefit of defending any sort of territory. Unlike the territory, home ranges are not defended, so individual polar bear home ranges overlap with other bears. Current findings show that a polar bear's home range size can vary over 2,000-fold in the same population. Some bears live in a single ford, while others wander areas the size of Texas. Wow. So it depends on the bear. Some, just a, some, a couple little interesting pieces of information that I found. I just, I found the whole polar bear thing very interesting. They can, polar bears can run up to 25 miles per hour for short distances. So if you're trying to outrun a polar bear, you're probably not going to get far. So don't get that close to them. Unless you're in a car. That's right. Because it can only do that for, it can only maintain that, that um, speed for short distances. Polar bears can swim around six miles per hour. They have some webbing in their paws and only use their front legs to paddle. Their back legs they use as a rudder. So they do not use them. They don't, they don't kick them at all to swim. Wow. 
Yeah, they're very Maybe if they learned how to kick them, they could swim a little faster. Six miles per hour is, is pretty good. <laughs> not good enough for the uh, seals, though. No, it is not. The seals have to have some advantage. So seals are just hoping nobody ever teaches them to kick their back paws. That's right. They can swim vast distances, with the norm being 30 miles. And in one case, a polar bear was clocked at swimming 220 miles. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Like, swimming, not like Distance. swimming, coming oh, out, going back in, like... Yeah. Not per hour, no. Oh, okay. I was worried that no. polar bears were going. We're starting to get to supersonic speeds. <laughs> no. So that was. So they actually are pretty good in the water. Not as good as a seal, but pretty good. Polar bears have paws that are designed for traveling the slick and shifting seascape. So a bull. So a polar bear's paws measure up to almost 11 and three quarters inches. Wow. You do not want to be smacked with that paw. No. <laughs> no. Not even like a gentle slap up beside the head, up alongside the head, no. Nope. They help the polar bears tread on thin ice. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> when the ice is very thin, the bears extend their legs far apart, use their lower bodies to distribute their weight. The black foot pads on the bottom of each polar bear paw are covered by small soft bumps to grip the ice mm-hmm. and keep them from slipping. And there are tufts of fur between its toes and, and the fur on the foot pads can help with security as well. The great white bear of the north is not actually white. So how do they look white? Each hair shaft, they're actually, okay, spoiler alert here. I'm just going to go for the gold here. They're actually black. Yeah. I've heard this before. The skin is all black. But they look white because each hair shaft is pigment-free and transparent with a hollow core that scatters and reflects visible light, much like what happens with snow and ice. So polar bears look their whitest when they are clean and in high-angle sunlight, especially just after the molt period in spring and summer. Before molting... Oil buildup in their fur from snacking on seals can make them look yellow in, sp- in places. And if you look at pictures of polar bears, you will notice this. Hmm. Hmm. The yellow I, patching? Yeah, it's like, it'll, yeah, it'll just have, you'll see, oh, that looks a little bit yellow. I noticed that before I found out why that was. So, I was like, so they got to use like the Instagram filter to get it back to all white. <laughs> or they can clean themselves by rolling in the snow, which is what they do. Oh, interesting. Yep. A polar bear can get dirty, for example, after a meal, so they can rub and roll their body across snow to clean their fur. So instead of them being yellow, the snow is yellow. Right. So that's where you get yellow snow from. That's not where you get yellow <laughs> snow from. But that's a different that's a different podcast. You can take oh care God. of that one. Um, polar bears like to be clean and dry because matted, dirty, and wet fur is a poor insulator. Given that they are in the Arctic, that that is um, not good because insulation is very important for them. It also helps them, these snow baths, rolling in the snow, also help them cool off when they get too hot. Which is just amazing to think that that could ever happen in the (laughs) Arctic. But it does. Uh Though they are equipped to survive Arctic temperatures, which can dip... Below negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit. They can also overheat when temperatures rise 
above freezing and up to 68 degrees in the summer. I don't know how often it does that. I can't imagine very often in the Arctic, even uh -huh. in the summer. But I, this is not an Arctic kind of podcast. This is a polar bear podcast, so we're just going to go with that. A female polar bear will have an average of five litters of cubs in her lifetime. Two-thirds of the polar bear litters are twins. Oh. How cute is that? Oh, my goodness. Don't approach them, though. <clears throat> Mating occurs in the spring, and the cubs weigh around two pounds at birth. Wow, little. Yeah, so little. Think about it. So little. And are not weaned until after they're two years old. So young polar bears are in danger of dying of starvation or they may be killed by the adult males. And for this reason, female polar bears are extremely defensive of their young, especially around adult males. They breed every two to four years. A polar bear asks another bear for something, such as food, through a nose-to-nose -nose greeting. The guest bear will approach slowly, circle around a carcass, and then delicately touch the feeding bear's nose to ask for permission to share. That's really cute. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. And it has a picture of them. Look. That's crazy. That's so funny. So that's that's asking permission to share the carcass that this other one has. Well, very polite. Very very sweet. Yeah. So <clears throat> there we go. There's some polar bear facts. I have really enjoyed my first cre my first animal in the snow. I hope you have too. And I'll be back next week with a different one. Well, those are very awesome topics for the day. Our future festivities are for the week of February 15th, still in winter. February 15th is President's Day. February 16th is Mardi Gras. February 17th is Ash Wednesday. February 18th is National Battery Day. Like a battery you use to charge things. Oh. February 19th is National Chocolate Mint Day. February 20th, Anderson's, Trish Anderson, is National Cherry Pie Day. Woo! Because <laughs> she makes great ones. She does. We'd like to have, celebrate that with her. And February 21st, Beth, is National Sticky Bun Day. Ooh, what? <laughs> As always, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. We are on Instagram at Holiday Moons, one word. And you can find us by searching Holiday Moons in your Facebook search bar. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. And you can contact us at any time at hollymoons at gmail.com. So for Randy, Cole, Sydney, and Beth, Happy Winter! Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away is the bluebird Here to stay is a new bird He sings a love song as we go along Walking in a winter wonderland In the meadow we can build a snowman And pretend that he is Parson Brown He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no, man. But you can do the job when you're in town. 
Later on we'll conspire As we dream by the fire To face unafraid the plans that we've made Walking in a winter wonderland Sleigh bells ring Are you listening? In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away is the bluebird If to stay is a new bird He sings a love song as we go along Walking in a winter wonderland In the meadow we can build a snowman And pretend that he's a circus clown We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman Yes, until the other kiddies knock him down Later on, we'll conspire As we dream by the fire To face unafraid the plans that we've made Walking in a winter wonderland Walking in a winter wonderland 